Humans need community. It is one of the most basic wants, needs and desires that we have uh, as human beings. We started bringing in one to two COOs to help us run the kind of day-to-day aspects of the community. And that's another way that we can give people the platform to bring about impactful change. You're listening to Precious on Community, a Seedcamp podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Precious on Community podcast. This is the show where we're sharing the learnings and advice from people in the trenches on what it takes to build and sustain a healthy community to help you and your members meet their goals. I'm super excited today to have Ben Branson Gately and Kelsey Chair on the podcast. They are the co-founders of the COO Stories community, but there's a lot more to them. So first of all, hi guys, how are we doing? Hey, good, thank you. Yeah, good. We're going to get into who you are as individuals and who you are as community builders. But first, I have a question that I'd like to ask all of my guests. Before you tell us about the community that you've built, tell me about one community that you each admire that you didn't build and why. The community that I really admire that we did not build um, is Code Bar. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure most people already know this. It's a community built to uh, upskill underrepresented groups in tech with the technical skills they would need to build a career in tech. And what I love most about it is that all of the mentors or coaches that participate in the scheme all volunteer their time for free. And there's a circular nature to the community because a lot of the people who have benefited from CodeBar Um, advance and progress their skills and then come back as coaches to give back to the rest of the like the community kind of coming up behind them I love that because I think a true community is one where people actually engage and want to give back as well as learn and take Um, and I think Code Bar is like an absolutely brilliant example of that Awesome. I hadn't heard of Code Bar before. So that is another great one for the community to know about because it also means that people can tap into that community for themselves um, as well as, you know, maybe join as mentors as well. I'm going to take it in a bit of a different direction, Precious. I think I'm going to do two. Um, oh, we love it. The first one, I guess, is like the OG community, which is church or religion. I'm not like a, I guess, a, I would say a practicing religious person, but definitely people in my family and you know others around me I have witnessed I guess the power and potential strength of of some of those individual communities um you know a lot of the time focused on kind of service and empathy and love of others and you know we'll talk a little bit about our community a bit later and I like to think that um in a very small way um we try and bring some of those human traits really human traits to, to how to how we operate and then the second is another one that's very close to my heart which is a very old community it's called the mountain bothy association and it is a community based in scotland who maintain small huts in the mountains kelsey's laughing um, and 
I'm like the anti-tech person sometimes. Um, and uh, it, it started when people were like uh, migrating sheep across uh, like the, the Munros in, in Scotland and the weather would come in and they need a place to like keep warm and, and sort of shelter out the storm. And people started to erect these small little huts oh. and they're still there today. And there is a community of amazingly passionate volunteers that hike into these places, find these huts, make sure there's a fire and some wood. Um, and I did a trip uh, last summer where we ran the length of the west coast of Scotland and they were like an absolute lifesaver to us uh, in, a, in a couple mm. of situations. So, um, yeah, I love people that kind of go out of their way to do something that they're really passionate about, even if it doesn't necessarily make them any money, mm. um, but provides some real good to the community and to the world. Mm. Agreed. I, I think it's funny because when we often talk about community today, we're like, okay, where do these communities gather? Is it on Facebook? Is it on Slack? Is it on here? And actually, it, sometimes it's in small huts, you know, <laughs> where you build fires. And mm-hmm. I guess, you know, that's the foundation of community, right? People helping community before mm-hmm. we even like moved on to all of these platforms because of mm-hmm. need to be global or the need to adapt to what the world has become but I love that those are amazing examples of you know three great examples of communities now let's dig into both of you it would be great to hear a bit more about your personal stories then you know you are a serial entrepreneur COO turned CEO now of Charlie HR and of course a member of the Seacamp community we love you for it and Kelsey obviously you started off in management consulting and then discovered the world of tech and now you're COO of Marvel so if you could both give me a brief overview of how you got to where you are we'll then dive into how COO stories came out of that. Yeah I I started off my career in management consulting um, which I think is a fairly typical um, thing to do if you don't really know what you want to do which was certainly true for me. Worked there and sort of for three years or so, and then was like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here? This is not speaking to my soul. Mm. Um, So I packed it in and joined a scale-up in Berlin, which felt so exciting at the time to like leave this boring professional type career to go move to Berlin. The company didn't work out, the company that I joined, but I knew that tech was the place that I wanted to be after joining that company. It felt so exciting and like it was where stuff was happening and where people were making change and impacting the world. Um, So I knew from that point that I wanted to forge a career in tech. I caught the bug and after that moved to a company in London called Lantern, where I became COO. And it was there that um, Ben and I started COO Stories. And now, of course, I'm COO of Marvel, um, where I've been for four and a half years now. Yeah, so Kelsey and I met probably uh, exactly kind of five years ago, maybe slightly slightly over that now. Um, and that was at the time uh, when I was transitioning from running a business called Born Social, which is a social media agency that um, uh, we'd spent kind of f- five-ish years um building we were stepping away from that and and letting some other great operators kind of step up and run that and we come up with this idea of charlie we knew that really the basis of any organization is its people and um, at the time we were focused on kind of trying to save people the time that was going into automating some of that admin obviously precious now knows and you do Kels that we're kind of a bit more focused on thinking about how organizations craft their culture and that's kind of our new direction 
Um, but at the time, uh, being faced with the idea of like building a business in that COO role, which is a lonely role, right? I think the COO often is focused on, we talk about fires a lot, burning issues, problems, challenges, be they people, operational process, you know, COOs and ops professionals, they span such a large breadth of topics. And Kels brought together a small group of of of, uh, of great humans. I think there were like four or five people at that first meeting. We went for a drink and we just discussed like what are the challenges of, of being a COO. And for me at the time, definitely needed to lean on people who had been around the block and done it um, a few times over and, and, and had that experience. The ignition point for the community was, you know, me being in a new role and not necessarily knowing how to go about that role and wanting to lean and learn from others. We definitely started COO stories to solve our own need, <laughs> like how to, how to tackle this role, um, yeah. how to be a COO if you really boil it down and that want to learn from others who'd been around the block, like Ben said. But also I think because it can be lonely and you can feel like you, you know, you have to have it together all the time for your team, for your, the other leaders in the business, for your investors. You're always like having to sort of act like you know what you're talking about. And it was really refreshing to have a space where we felt like we were amongst our peers where we could say, well, actually, I've tried a couple of things here and I'm not really sure where to take it next or I'm struggling with this other thing um, and kind of have that support network from a, like a personal perspective too, um, to, to meet people and, and feel yeah, like we were in a, a friendly, inclusive space. No, that's amazing. Most communities that are built out of need start off strong, right? And so you started off with four or five people. So tell me, guys, like, how did you then get this community off the ground? Because I know right now in like London, you've got 200 plus ops leaders. So how did you maintain momentum as it grew? It's something that I'm very proud of. And I think we've done a good job of holding each other accountable to this over the years is keeping our standards in, in incredibly high when it comes to the people that, that we welcome into the community. That's the first thing. And the second thing is um, when I say high standards, what do I mean by that? This isn't some kind of elitist members club. It's about the values and behaviours of the people that join join the community and the value, therefore, that, that we and others get from that. And I think that's all centred around the lack of ego. Successful communities, if you boil it all down, I think come from this idea that other people want to help other people for the sake of helping them, not necessarily for their own gains. And I think that's been, I mean, you might disagree, Kels, but I feel like that's been a core foundation of it since the beginning. And I feel still don't feel like we've lost that. hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that there's a tendency when you're organizing stuff in London tech to start from a place of like, what can we teach or who can we, like what expert can we learn from? And there's mm. definitely a place for that. Like, I think there are some amazing events that get organized in, in London tech um, that are really valuable, but we've always thought that you really get into the interesting stuff when you talk about challenges rather than successes and boil down like what went wrong what were the learnings 
as soon as someone's opening up about things that they've struggled with or even failed at, you feel this sense of empathy and connection and you're able to be really open about your own struggles. And we've always found that the best learning comes from that starting point of, um, you know, I'm not great at blank or, you know, fill in the blank. So that's always been sort of the kernel of COO stories. I think that's part of why people find it valuable and, you know, feel that they can be themselves in COO stories. Would you say that like vulnerability then is a real key factor to the growth of COO stories? For sure. I think vulnerability is a key component in in many aspects of, of running an of running an organization, being part of an organization and, and, and doing anything really. You know, life is difficult, not easy. People struggle and they have challenges and um, they have lapses in self-confidence, right? I talked about, you know, wh- why I was drawn to, I guess, that initial first meeting was because I had that imposter syndrome. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. What am I meant to be doing? I need to ask someone. And being able to have those very open and vulnerable conversations has always been there. But it's it's a tool for Im- improving the quality of what we do. Yeah, it's yeah. not just a behavior and how we act. It 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 delivers a particular uh, experience, I think, to the community and to the group. And I think that that is higher value because of that. Amazing. Because that's the tool, as leaders of a community of leaders, <laughs> what has been the hardest part about keeping that community going for you? Great question. I mean, it's more challenging to run a community, shall we say, when you're not actually allowed to gather together. Um, I think the aspects of the community around supporting each other through challenges has been able to continue more or less unhindered. That's been fine. But the essence of COO stories really are the sort of social bonds that form when you're able to meet people and spend quality time, not just talking about business stuff, but also getting to know them as people, because that's where the trust and the connection really builds. That has been challenging in the pre-pandemic times. And hopefully soon again, the drumbeat of our community was a monthly in-person event, which even though it was only for a small number of people, it wasn't the whole community each time, that gathering point and the opportunity for people to come together, you know, get that um, COO therapy, like it's sometimes described, that is something that we have definitely missed during the pandemic, even though like remote events, you know, you can get some value that way. Um, So we're really looking forward to being able to bring back in-person events. I think also consistency and, and, it, it can be easy when you're in these situations. And I think actually it can be easy when you're in this world of tech and entrepreneurialism, where there is a mindset of, we must always do more and better. And, uh, you know, wherever you are, it's not enough. And I don't think I actually agree with that mindset in mm. in, in in my life. And I don't think, and I think we've tried to not channel that in as many ways as possible as, as part of COS stories, which is that, just maintaining and being consistent at supporting people, giving them a space to ask their questions, adding new voices to the community, bringing people together where we can. As a very minimum, we've always been consistent at doing. And we haven't let the fact that maybe some years we haven't done as much as we probably would have wanted. You know, like the last 
18 months we've had covid i've been i've been transferring into a new role um you know both of us have had loads of fires and challenges in our in our businesses that we've had to think about and attend to we haven't always had the energy to be like i want to come up with loads of new ideas of things to do and and you know events to run but we've been like we know there's a minimum that we want to do and we want to be consistent at doing that because i think that's what you know is, is important about about a community is that they feel there's the consistency in the that community exists as a constant for them, uh, something to lean on, and it's always going to be there. We might not be the most bells and whistles community, right? We don't do a bloody ski trip. Um, we, we don't do a retreat as some of these other um, you know, London tech communities do. But what we do do, we do, I think, very well, and we're very consistent at doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, kind of, it's kind of what I think. I agree with that. And to add as well, I've always thought that one of the keys to COO stories continuing to evolve and progress is that members of the community feel like it is theirs to bring things to life if they feel passionate about them and they think it would add value to the community. We're nominally the the leaders just because we happen to be the co-founders of this community, but there are so many really valuable initiatives that happen under the umbrella of COO stories that are completely member-driven and that democratization of the community, I think, is the natural evolution of, of like a successful, healthy community. That's amazing to see. And we hope that continues. Um, starting in 2020, we started bringing in one to two COOs to help us run the kind of day to day aspects of the community. So each year we now have like a guest COO who helps us run the community. And that's another way that we can give people the platform to bring about interesting, cool, impactful change, but also uh, to help us out because not everyone has the same amount of time to volunteer yeah. all the time. Brilliant. So let's talk about how you've managed to, well, manage the community between the two of you then, because Serial Stories isn't, it's, you know, it's not a paid community, you're not selling a product, it's, it's about support. When it came to identifying number one who to bring in to help you lead the community you know in these different times but also two we can talk about the chapters that you spun off afterwards but how have the two of you assessed who is the right person to bring in to manage this community with you well there was a natural division between Ben and I from the start in terms of things that we felt we were good at or excelled at. So we were very good at dividing and conquering from the start. As both of our roles started to evolve and as we realised that we wanted to perhaps work on a few extra projects aside from the day-to-day admin of keeping the community consistent and running, we just put the call out to say, would anyone be interested in joining us You know, for a stint of six to 12 months? Honestly, it was a first-come, first-served situation there wasn't really like a selection process Um, a few people raised their hands and we thought well they're all brilliant so the fairest way to choose someone is just to go with the person who responded first so that's what we did last year and we used a similar method this year too Um, I mean we would be happy to work with any of the COO members uh, in COO stories and I've always thought that the most important thing is that the want to help comes from them. So rather than us going to someone we think would be really good and saying, 
hey, mate, would you be interested in helping us for a year? When they might feel obligated to say yes, but their heart isn't really in it. If we ask for help and someone like feels intrinsically motivated to raise their hand and get involved, that's what's valuable and most important and means that they'll you know, stick around and really be there through the year. It, it's a, it kind of beautifully self-selects itself. Because I think the the behaviour of everyone and the values of everyone is so is so aligned. If someone comes in or is part of the community and wants to behave differently, it's it's pretty obvious pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, humans mirror. That's how we that's how we do things, right? We mirror the behaviour of, of, of those around us, and yeah. and so and that's how you build culture, right? And so um, we've never really had any problems with. And that's when Kelsey says, "I'd be happy to." you know, run it with anyone from the community. That's because people join, they see the behaviour that's acceptable. They see that it's not a place to grandstand. They see that it's not a place to make other people, other people feel bad about their ideas. It's not a place to, um, you know, drag people into debates or arguments. It's mm-hmm. a place to, like, help people make progress quickly and be vulnerable about the real challenges that people are facing in, 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 their, in their working life. It conforms pretty pretty neatly around that ideal, I think. That makes a lot of sense in terms of you created these parameters, whether you've like, you know, put them in bold writing or actually, you know, it's it's through the behaviors of the people in the community, then they know what is and isn't acceptable in that space. And so actually the barrier to entry at the beginning means that everybody is essentially eligible, which is awesome. So then the next question is you've identified these people to help you lead and manage that space, but you also have these other chapters, right? You've got like your Berlin chapter, you've got like other groups, like op stories, customer stories, people stories. When did you know it was the right time to spin off these different subsets? I think it, I don't think it's about necessarily about timing. It's about our outlook on community, which is that definitely Kels and I feel like our job is to, lift others up help others support others and we're you know we we do that mostly not saying that we're perfect but we're able to do that mostly from a selfless place yeah and when you have that approach when other people come to you and say i'm struggling as someone in a customer role or i'm struggling as like a an ops manager i'm struggling in this role you know our natural reaction is can we create some value and some usefulness for you and so really we've just enabled others to come to stories and lean on a bit of the infrastructure that we have um you know we, we sort out some sponsorship every year so that we can help to fund some things a bit of the know-how and to have a bit of a community of community builders that can kind of talk to each other about what are the things that are going well and, and going wrong basically just replicate the value that we know the members of coo stories feel in other job roles, right? Humans need community. Like it is, it is the it is one of the most basic wants, needs, and desires that we have uh, as human beings. Really, we've just tried to amplify others that want to create similar communities, but for different roles and job titles. Is there a playbook that you have? Because you guys started with you know four or five people for COO stories, and now you've got these hand raisers or you know people who need help with these other value adding spaces so how have you helped others replicate value because you're not leading these other subsets yeah it's a great question and something that we 
you know, obviously had to start thinking about like what does being part of stories kind of give you. Um, and actually something that um, I think, Ben, you've always been really helpful with each of the communities as they set up, like helping them with, is encouraging them to think about like what is their their kind of drumbeat? What is the 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 one thing they want to do consistently well? For example, in COO stories, it's a monthly breakfast event. That is, if you really boil things down, that's the kind of thing that we do consistently. And it's it's tempting for a new community to have a hundred different ideas, all of them probably really good. But if you I think it community gathers around like repetition or, or ritualized meetings or, or ritualized ways of interacting. Um, and so encouraging each of those communities to work out what's right for their type of professional and what's right for their new community, I think has been really helpful and key to helping them get set up. So one example there is when customer stories first began, um, it actually originally started as customer support stories. And there were a lot of members of that group who were starting out in their customer support careers in tech. And actually, for that community, they really wanted to learn from experts. They really wanted to be able to go to larger events where they could take notes and learn and improve rather than a smaller group of peers kind of problem solving something the way COO stories would approach a problem. The the most value add way for them to run events was a teach and listen style format. So for them, that was the style of event that made most sense and that they began running on a quarterly basis. So yeah, helping the communities think through like a model that works for their community was one of the ways that we did it. Brilliant. And I think a lot of community builders, whether they're, you know, CEOs, COOs or community managers like myself can yeah, take a lot from that. It's it's the ritualized interaction that is most useful because people just need to know that there is something there. Like you were saying previously, Ben, you know, they just need to know the community is there and it exists and they can lean on it for support. And, and I, I think I was just going to say, like, knowing the bit that you want to do really well and doubling down on that. Over, you know, over the years, we've had other people come to us and say, I want to set up a community in this space, right? And for whatever reason, it, it, it hasn't happened. You know, Precious, you know yourself, the energy that goes into building a community, the consistency that goes into building a community. And so I think being really focused in those early days and thinking about what is the component part, as Kels said, that we want to be really good at and want to own and is going to make sense for our community how long do we need in doing that consistently and delivering that at a high standard for it to become that ritualized behavior? And the answer is much longer than you think, right? It isn't just about running a couple of events. It's about doing these things again and again and again and again. I'm pretty sure you can apply that model to all aspects of life and business, right? Which is just success just always takes much longer and is way harder. And so that's why I think it's important that if you're building a community, you're doing it because you truly want to and enjoy it and are passionate about it. I'm not saying that Kelsey and I are completely selfless. There are definite elements of things that we do that are more selfish, right? Like we're not without ego. We are just balanced more 
selfless than selfish. And I think everyone is on that spectrum somewhere in terms of the, the things that they do and the way that they spend their time. I think you've got a much higher degree of possibility that you're going to be successful if you are balanced more on the selfless than the selfish side, because you're going to get energy from helping others and improving the, the days and the lives of other people and bringing value to them. And that's going to sustain the consistency that you need. You're going to enjoy the journey. And I think in, in all things, if we can enjoy the journey, life is just a much, much better place to be. To build on that, the communities that have spun off from stories Actually, not always, but we have learned that the successful ones are ones started by people who genuinely want to give back to their community of professionals. So that intrinsic motivation has to be there. And um, in the early days, there was a community that we encouraged to start up by asking people we thought would be brilliant leaders to take it on. And it was a community that didn't last the way you know that repetition and consistency uh that the energy and the motivation to do that long term wasn't quite there because we had asked them to run the community rather than them saying I would actually love to set this up for my community and I feel really motivated to to give back so that that was a lesson Uh, and now if there's ever going to be another stories community it would happen because someone comes to us and says, hey, I see what you're doing and I would really like a community for my type of professional or my type of professional in a different geography, like COO Stories Berlin, but a different um, spin-off country or city. Mm, maybe Barcelona, just because I love Barcelona. That would be cool. <laughs> no, those are really amazing insights and I'm so sad that we're running out of time, which is... But I think we've got a lot of, yeah, great information about how the stories communities work and a lot of great takeaways for other people in terms of building out communities and also allowing other chapters to come to life as a result of community involvement. So before I ask my final, final question, uh, where can people find the two of you uh, and the stories community? Well, I'm not very good on social media, so probably the best place to find me would be LinkedIn. I know that's boring, but uh, LinkedIn, come find me. Um, I love meeting people. So, um, yeah, if you want to go for coffee or meet up or talk about community building, um, you can find me there. And COO Stories is COOstories.com. Yeah, and from that, you can um, you can see all the other communities um, that, that kind of run under the Stories banner and, and all the different ways that you need to um, apply if, if you want to be part of them. But yeah, I definitely urge, especially this NEC camp um, uh, companies listening, anyone that's part of the recent cohort, if you've got a COO, definitely introduce them to Kelsey or I. Kelsey, you just, um, uh, Kelsey at marvelapp.com. And I'm Ben at charliehr.com. And yeah, we'd be happy to meet and discuss and, and see if we can be of, of use and support. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Final question for the two of you. If you were starting the COO Stories community from scratch today, on what platform would you start it? Such a good question. Hard, hard question. Very. Um, I really, really want to be boring and say I would still start on email because I love email. Like I'm so about email. I'm not about this like instant messaging and like constant communication vibes. You know, emojis. About, 
yeah, I, I love an emoji. I'm all, yeah. If you see my LinkedIn, you'll see I like an emoji. Sure. I'm just, email lets me control how I communicate with people a bit more. Slack is like people shouting in my face. But I think I would slightly reframe the question and I would think about when you're choosing a platform, I would think about what is the type of experience that you want people to have and what do their days look like? For example, I think for, for COOs, there's a lot of stress and um, demands on their time. And so putting them in the driver's seat via email, I think works a little bit better. It's a bit of a slower pace, whereas we've got other communities where Slack works incredibly well because that's where that person is living and there's like, it becomes part of all the other communication they're doing. So yeah, I think about what type of experience you want people to have. Um, yeah, my answer, if we were starting it today, I would hope that we would go with email, but I honestly think if we were starting from scratch today, we might be drawn in by Slack because that's the obvious place now, I think, compared to 2015 when we started COO Stories to bring people together in an easy way. But I think... Yeah, email has the advantage that it's slightly less noise, which is maybe a surprising thing to say because there are so many emails that fly around. But Slack is even worse. Slack encourages really short form, quick responses. It's less a less good format for really thoughtful, considered, like a couple of paragraphs, almost like thought piece responses. Um, which is encouraged in email because you've got time to think through what your reply is. So um, I think if we were starting today, we would probably lean towards Slack. But similar to what Ben said, think about what type of interactions you want to encourage and what type of community you're serving, where they hang out and where they're going to find most value. The other, the other thing I would add is like there are some really cool options for different community building platforms now with lots of bells and whistles and interesting things that they do um, but if your if your real value is about connection it kind of doesn't matter what platform you use in some ways like it doesn't matter how janky the experience is people will find a way to connect with each other and with COO stories because we have this emphasis on meeting each other going for coffee going to breakfast events and that kind of in-person element, it almost doesn't matter that email is like not perfect and that it's a, sometimes a bit noisy or a bit annoying. It's, it's better to be there, I think, than in a separate standalone platform that people have to remember to go log into. So yeah, I think uh, on balance, email with in-person events is like the right balance for COO stories. Um, and I would hope that we would we would make the same decision today, but I think we would be tempted by Slack. I think there's another thing that's important to kind of flag, and we just need to be careful about this stuff, which is that you know Slack is an amazing platform, but it is it has high penetration in in tech and tech businesses. Tech businesses are not always the most inclusive or diverse organizations. and access to slack, yes, there's a there's a there's a free plan, but let's not assume that. Uh, everyone has access to it or wants to use it or can, right? I think that's one of the brilliant things about email is that it is fully ubiquitous. I wouldn't want someone to not be able to be part of Zero Stories just because they don't want to use Slack, they can't use Slack, you know, for for for, for whatever reason, or their organization uses something completely different. Whereas email, we know they've got 
really great points really really great points actually thank you so much ben thank you so much kelsey this has been brilliant um and i'm sure you'll be having people slide into your linkedin dms or all sorts of emails uh, very shortly thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to speak to you about cmo stories it's been really fun had a blast precious well done great chat <laughs>